0: talking this morning about living beyond myself. Living beyond myself. Did you bring your Bible? If you did, raise it up for a moment. Are you proud to hold God's Word in your hand? Great. Remember to always bring your Bible to church. Now, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24, the title of the message, Living Beyond Myself. Now, aspects of this uh, message have been adapted from some of Bill Hybel's material. I had the privilege in ninety-eight of visiting at Bill Hybel's church. He is based in Chicago, Illinois, and his church began with just a couple of high school students that wanted to make a difference for God and felt the call of God on their lives and began to reach out, began to step out and started a church which has really impacted the world. And besides for Bill and Willow Creek, well, besides for Bill, the whole Willow Creek Church has had a worldwide influence on the church. Um, the conference that was announced earlier, the Global Leadership Summit, is something that was birthed out of the Willow Creek movement. Now, it says in verse 24, Matthew 16 verse 24, Are you there? Good. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, maybe in the past you've read this verse of Scripture, and I'm going to read on, but perhaps it has not been such an encouraging Scripture for you because it sounds heavy. It sounds perhaps hard, okay? But as we read it, would you allow the Holy Spirit, maybe to minister it to you afresh? Would you maybe consider the fact that actually God is offering us something amazing if we follow His plan here? Okay? By the way, those two doors at the back, if we could please close them, I'd appreciate that. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For This is the key. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is a, uh, for what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The focus verse here, verse 25. Let's read it again. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I believe the Lord is wanting to activate more of His people, more of His church, more of his kingdom to be useful to the master. Something happened many years ago in Bill Hybel's heart as he began to read the scripture and realize that God wanted to take people out of passivity into being active. Bearing in mind that hundreds of years before, the general way in which things operated was there was the clergy, they were the paid staff members of the church, And they would do the functions and minister and perform all the priestly duties. And those that were in the audience, the laity, would just receive of the ministry. But you know what? That's not a kingdom pattern. That causes the church not to rise up and be counted. That causes us to have a minimal influence. God wants every member to be a minister. And with Bill Hybel's church, over the course of one weekend, they have 11,000 people actively serving, volunteers. That's besides for the people that attend the services. 11,000 people. But he discovered something many years ago about losing his life for my sake. Now, I'm going to jump straight into the first of three aspects. Number one, abundant life. Am I living it? Abundant life. Am I living it? The well-known scripture in John 10 verse 10 says, I have come that they might have life. Would you say that with me? Life. And that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came with this purpose in mind. He came to give us life. He came to give us abundant life. Now the Greek word for abundant as used in the scripture here is spelt as follows P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. P-E-R I S S O S Peresos Perisos. Does that sound like anything you could eat? Perisos. So apparently, the Greeks must have discovered perisos. But then I thought, well, what about the Portuguese? And they discovered extra perisos. But anyhow, perisos. Perisos. Let's pronounce it not sauce, but sauce. Okay. It means superior or beyond measure. When it says abundant life, it's speaking about life which is superior to the average which is beyond measure. Now, whether or not you are experiencing abundant life at this point in time does not change the fact that this is what God has planned for you. This is what God wants you to be experiencing, an above-the-ordinary type of life. So maybe if we could say this verse together, but that we would put each of our own names. Like, for instance, I have come that... John may have life, and that John may have it more abundantly. Okay? Can we say this together? And then you say your own name. So it's I have come that may have life, and that may have life more abundantly. Let's say it together. I have come that John may have life, and that John may have it more abundantly. Can we say that again? I have come that John may have life and that John may have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus came for. Solomon was referred to as the wisest man that ever lived, obviously besides for Jesus. But you know what? Solomon battled with how to live a fulfilled, abundant life. Please turn to Exodus chapter 2 sorry, not Exodus, uh, Ecclesiastes. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. And we're going to read a couple of verses there, verse 4 to verse 11. It's not often we read from the book of Ecclesiastes, but let's take a look at it together. It's just after Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Now, this is Solomon speaking telling of all he's done and all he's tried and all the things he's experienced. He said, he says here in verse 4 of chapter 2, I made my works great. I built myself houses. Solomon was a wealthy man. Not only did he build one house, he built massive palatial dwellings, things that I guess would look similar to the Lost City Palace or something like that, and planted vineyards. I wonder what his vineyards looked like. Must have been impressive. Maybe he even had his own wine label with his picture on it and initialed the bottles. He says, I made myself gardens and orchards and planted all kind of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. He, he, I can imagine, he must have had so many people ready to, the moment he lifts a finger, run and do whatever he needed to do or fetch water or fetch a garment or fetch something to keep the sun out of his eyes, hold his brolly or something like that. He says, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flock than all who were in Jerusalem before me. Solomon is saying, I had so much. I've experienced so much. I was the richest man I knew. I had greater possessions than anybody that had gone before me in Jerusalem. Verse 8. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of sons of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kind. This man didn't just go out and buy himself a CD and a boom box. He went and bought the whole band. He had the bass guitarist, he had the drummer, he had the percussionist, he had the saxophonist, he had them all there. He didn't go to listen to opera, he bought the whole opera. And they came and they played for him, probably in his bedroom. And it says, so I became great, and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not hold my heart, withhold my heart from any pleasure. Now, I'm not even going to go there, okay? But uh, apparently, he was having a good time. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. But then, verse 11, the key verse. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed... All was vanity, grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. My goodness! Isn't he striving, wasn't he striving for some of the very things that you and I strive for? Because he had all these things, houses, vineyards, gardens, orchards, fruit trees, a massive irrigation system, servants, possessions, herds, flocks, silver, gold, all the musos, the musicians, instruments, he had everything, and everything that many times you and I are striving for. And you know what? This is what he says. All was vanity, grasping for the wind. You know what struck me is here was the cleverest guy, In the Bible, if I can put it that way. He was the wisest man, had so much wisdom. And he went on a pursuit of total satisfaction. But instead, he got totally disappointed. Doesn't that surprise you? That the wisest man, with all the possessions that one could ever wish for, ends up saying, it's all vanity. It's all useless. And I'm disappointed. I feel like I've been chasing the wind and I'm disappointed. Have you ever felt like that? Have you felt like you chased the wind? You pursued things that you thought would make you happy, but you ended up feeling empty. If so, it could be that, because, that it happened because you were at the center of your picture. It was all about your desires, your pursuits, your goals. But you know what? In reality, life is not about getting. Life is about giving. I know a young lady who was very successful in her sales job, and she worked for a great company, great company to work for, the kind of company that gets reviews of, hey, this is one of the top ten companies that you want to work for. She was selling printers, for a particular company, doing tremendously well, driving the targets month after month, one of the top achievers in the company. But you know what she said? She said, I want to leave this job and I want to take another job in a certain environment. It's a lower paying job. But the bottom line is, I want to make a difference. And I feel like what I'm doing here, just driving targets, driving targets, feels like for me, for somebody else, it might be great, but it feels like for me, I'm not making a difference. And she did that. She resigned, she went to a job which paid less, but you know what? It was a job in which she felt she was pouring out her life as a drink offering. Drink offering. It was a job in which she felt that she was making a difference. How satisfied are you today? Is your life making a meaningful difference? If there was a guaranteed way of experiencing fulfillment, would you be willing to take it? If there was a guaranteed way in which you could begin to experience a far greater level of fulfillment and satisfaction, would you take it? Would you say yes? Would you say no? Would you say maybe? Now, number two, living beyond myself. The lesson that we can learn from Solomon's life is that God doesn't want us to chase chase after the wind. He doesn't want us to be wind chasers, but he wants us to be world changers. He wants our lives to make a meaningful difference in the world around about us. He wants us to live as being poured out like a drink offering, as Paul spoke about in the Word. Listen to what Bill Hybels says. The desire to be a world changer is planted in the heart of every human being. And that desire comes directly from the heart of God. We can suffocate that desire in selfishness. We can silence it with the clatter of competing demands. Or bypass it on the fast track to personal achievement. But it's still there. The desire to be a world changer is still in the heart of every human being. But you might say, well, how do I become a world changer? Where do I start? It seems overwhelming. You know what? We can start with Matthew 16, verse 25. And it says there, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Here Solomon was running after his life his goals, his achievements. He wanted to save his life. But he was losing it. And he knew it. The scripture goes on to say, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now I've written the following down. I want to read it. Jesus is saying to us that real abundant life will take place when we are more concerned about serving God and serving others, then we are concerned about serving ourselves. This is a major key. It's basically called living beyond yourself. You see, let me say that again. Real, abundant life will only take place When we become concerned about serving God and others first, and serving ourselves second. Now, I believe, as I was preparing this message and so on, I I felt a personal challenge in my own heart. Because you know what? All of us, we want to jump on the throne of our hearts We want to jump on the throne of our lives. And and yes, Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. And we've settled that long time uh, ago. And we've made him head. We've made him king. But you know what? Regularly, we want to get back on the throne. And we want to start to seek our own purposes. We want to start to seek our own will. But Jesus said, no, no, no. It's not how it works when it comes to being with, with me. It's not how it works when it comes to being one of my disciples because there is a laying down of your own desires. There's a taking up of the things that I want you to do. So I want to read that statement again. Real abundant life will take place when you are more concerned about serving Him and serving others than about serving yourself. Think about Jesus' life for a moment. He modeled this. Can you see him washing the dirty feet of the disciples? Can you see him hugging those hyperactive kids that were all thronging around him? Can you see him feeding the hungry crowd? Can you see him reaching out to some people that were rejected by society? See, world changes come in all shapes and sizes, Some make big contributions. Others make smaller contributions. A world changer might look like a student who's willing to take some of his cricket skill and go and teach a cricket clinic to township kids on a Saturday morning. A world changer might look like a mom who is willing to help her domestic workers' children to have stationery and shoes for school. A world changer might look like an electrician who is willing to, free of charge, go help a a family with their geezer because he knows that they don't have the money to fix it. You see, sometimes when we talk about being world changers, you think, well, you've got to be in the UN and uh, on the World Monetary Fund or something like that. It's not like that. God says, in the areas that I've put around you, you can bring a change. You can be a world changer. Living a fulfilled life means volunteering your time, gifts, talents, abilities, resources, and passions to meet needs around you. You know what? The Bible promises... That if we begin to live for God's purposes and live to serve people around about us, we will be rewarded. In fact, Jesus says, you will receive a hundredfold reward. And that's what it says in Mark 10, verse 29 and 30. You can read it there for yourself. As you begin to serve God in this way, He will reward you one Hundredfold and the Bible says in this life. Number three, the great gamble. The great gamble. Will I drape a serving towel over my arm or will I rather serve myself? Bill Hybels tells an interesting story uh, about a professor that he was influenced by in Bible college. The professor is Dr. Gilbert. Belizekean, something like that. And this is what the professor said. For six months, he said, take the great gamble. Follow the model of Jesus with reckless abandon. Take advantage of every opportunity to serve, even if it seems like something insignificant. And if you want to, he said, try it the other way too. Every chance you have, put yourself in the center. Be demanding. Ask the world to revolve around you. Push your way to the front of the line. Disappear when it's time for the dirty work, the menial task. Bow down low every morning in front of a full-length mirror. Then step back and honestly assess. Are you becoming closer to God and people or more isolated? Is your life fuller or emptier? Do you feel fulfilled or frustrated? Take the great gamble. And Bill Hubbles tells of how this story influenced him. And basically, he took the gamble to begin to put himself second and to begin to serve. He began to set an example in this regard. How else do you end up with 11,000 people? actively serving every weekend in a local congregation unless there is an example that the leader is setting. And so this is the great gamble, and almost it's a bit of a scary thing because for some people we have been in charge of always looking after ourselves, and the focus has always been on ourselves. Perhaps you learned to live in a self-centered way. It's not what you set out to do, it's just the way things turned out. And maybe you feel that God's Word is challenging you today. But you know, I was thinking about the fact that if we as a congregation are going to have a greater impact in this city of Pretoria, Tswane, the, and it's a city which I love so much, if you and I are going to have a greater impact... It's going to be through the releasing of the church under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be through people being released, through people getting mobilized, through people beginning to serve. And that serving doesn't just have to take place within the local church environment. There's many of you that are involved in in uh, social upliftment type projects. There's many of you that are serving in ward committees or serving in security initiatives in your neighborhood. There's many different things that can be done. But the bottom line is this. I believe that until we all begin to rise up, there's something that will not be realized. There's something of the vision that God has given Choose Life that will not be realized. God created each one of us for something truly great. It's in giving ourselves that we discover that greatness. I want to end off reading that scripture to you in Matthew, and then we're going to close in prayer. Just to say that we are starting a little bit of a journey here. Okay, congregation, is that okay? We're starting a bit of a journey Perhaps today was something of an introduction, and for the next two or three weeks, we're going to look at this whole aspect of living beyond myself, and we're going to trust that God is going to do a work in Choose Life, and I want to take you back to the vision that was shared earlier about the construction, about God busy doing a work, about us gearing up for the new year, and God wants us to be ready for that. But once again, verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I want to say to you, it's probably the most wonderful thing that can ever happen to you is when you begin to lose your life for God's purposes. In terms of homework, I want to suggest that you, in the next week, that you seek to at least just on one occasion to somebody or some group that you would do something that really puts them first and puts yourself second. There might be many ways around about you, and I'm not going to try to give examples of how to do that, but I want to suggest that you take this consideration seriously that you look for a way in this week where you can take this great gamble, so to speak, and where you can let somebody else be served through your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for this journey that you have, I believe, got us as a church on, and we want to be responsive to your leading. We pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds over these next few weeks to respond in a way that pleases you. Lord, if we think about your life and how you gave yourself for others and how you gave yourself for us, we're amazed. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a heartfelt response from every Man, every woman, every young person, every old person in this place. And Lord, we say we love you. Lastly, I speak out the blessing of the Lord. We say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody.